0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Something else that God gives us a fruit of His Spirit in the life of the believer is the peace of God. And I, I know I've experienced, I've met people that just had, just a, a, it's a supernatural, just a peace about them. And they're all frazzled about everything. They're not, you know, they're not, they're all flustered They just, man, they just have peace. How do you get that? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That person's abiding in Christ. That person is trusting in the Lord. That person is letting God's spirit rule and reign in their heart and their life. And so, yeah, while life can be chaotic, they're at total peace.
0: Are you seeking to have a long and lasting peace? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he explains to you that true peace is not found within the cares and concerns of this world. Everlasting peace is found within the Prince of Peace himself. Everlasting peace is found within the Prince of Peace himself, Jesus. Anything and anyone you turn to within this world will only provide you with temporary and fleeting peace. However, Pastor Bill explains that when you have a deep relationship with Christ, you will find that you have a peace that surpasses understanding. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Galatians chapter 5 for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Paul in the book of Galatians has been, a lot of the book has been arguing for how that we can't work our way into salvation. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough for it. There's no work that you can do to be saved. That salvation is a work of God through his grace alone and we receive it by faith. In this chapter, Paul has been dealing with the difference between a life that is yielded to the flesh. And so he said some pretty heavy things we went through in detail. The works of the flesh. He said the works of the flesh are evident. And he started laying them out. They're clearly seen. These things evidence that a person is just given over to a fleshly life. And it was sexual sin and idolatry and carnal, all these different things that were going on. And he said at the end, and that's where I'm picking up today because I, I didn't have time to go through it all last week. He said at the, the last verse we looked at last week, look at verse 21. Paul said and he was. He's still going through his list: envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, parties. He says, and the like. And then, and I told you that meant anything like these things. And then he said, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. And so, but I told you that's a pretty big deal. If he says, if you practice this stuff. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I wanted to, I paused there last week. I went into it and I want to come back because Paul said, I've told you this in other places. And I didn't have time last week to show you the other places where he told them that. But I want you to see this trend in the New Testament where people are told outright, if you live like this, you won't go to heaven. And this is why it's so important to me as a pastor because I know there are churches where people are telling others that you can do whatever you want, God will forgive you. You can live however you want to live, you can still go to heaven. And if it were true, I would tell you if it were true that you could do whatever you wanted to do, I would be glad to say, hey, guys, lay off. (laughs) You're taking this thing way too serious. You you can go do whatever you want to do. God's going to take you. If it were true, I would I would line up. I'd be first to tell you with a smile on my face. Um, But it's not true based on what the Bible says and that that's what we want to gather and grab that that we wouldn't be. Even as we look at other people that may be enraptured in some of these things, there are people that are living these kind of lifestyles that think they're going to go to heaven. And it says here explicitly, if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So this was one list. And I want you to write down in your notes these other lists. We're going to look at them real quick. And I just want you to have them for your own reference, edification, knowledge. Write down Ephesians five verses three through five. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to read it to you real quick. He says there, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so that last part, he says, this, he said, this, you know, he's in Ephesians. You guys know this, that no fornicator. And I want to explain, like I did last week, he's not saying someone that messed up and fell in the fornication. He's saying someone that's living an active lifestyle. You're living in fornication. Nobody that's living like that, right? No one that's actively living in that kind of rebellion. No, he said no fornicator, or uh, unclean person, that's sexual uncleanness, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. They don't. Uh, I sat down with couples that were living together and they weren't married. I'm like, are you guys You guys living in the same roof, Are you guys having sex like you're married? You know, yeah, we are. You're not okay with God, right? This is not okay. I, you have to tell people that because it, the Bible says, I can't have you feeling like, well, it's okay, you know, we're going to get married. You know, we, we made a date. I, got, I gave her a ring so, so we can do it, you know? No. That's fornication. This says no fornicator has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. That 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 hits me a certain kind of way. Uh, That tells me that that's not where I want to be. Amen. The next one, write down Colossians chapter three, verses five through seven. Colossians chapter three, verses five through seven. He says there, therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. He says, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. And he tells the Colossians, you guys used to be that way before you got saved, but now you're not. But he says because of those very things, the wrath of God, that's what God's wrath is coming to judge and to deal with. Probably my favorite one is First Corinthians six nine through eleven, because it, it it almost it gives us hope. So the last one I'd like you all to turn there and look at this list with me. First Corinthians six verses nine through eleven. He says, "Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor homosexuals nor sodomites." Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And so it's explicit. He says, You will not go to heaven living that lifestyle. He says, But, and such were some of you. But you were washed in the blood of Jesus, you were sanctified by the work of the Holy Spirit. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And this is what's encouraging to me there. Paul says, Look, you will not go to heaven like this, but as he's speaking to the Corinthian congregation, he said, hey, but such were, some of y'all were these things. Some of y'all were sexually immoral, homosexual, idolaters, covetous, drunkards or whatever. He said, But you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. And so when I'm looking at and speaking to persons that are living this lifestyle, God saying, look, they can be washed, sanctified, just I'll do the same thing for them. But don't make this mistake. There are people today would want us to accept that I can be just like this and I'm still going to be OK. And it's like, no, this this verse tells me this. The Bible says here you can't. You can you be a fornicator and maintain a lifestyle of fornication and go to heaven? Can you be a homosexual living an active homosexual lifestyle and go to heaven? Like, no. But there are people today that are they want to rewrite this book and say, well, you know, you can love who you want to love. No, you can't. You are supposed to love everybody. Then when they say love who you want to love, they what they really mean is I can have sex with who I want to have sex with. No, you can't. You can't have sex with who you have, want to have sex, but you cannot have sex with whoever you want and expect God to accept it and take you with him. So so anyway, when Paul says that, of which I told you beforehand, this is what he was in reference to. He said, look, I, I, this is not the first time you've heard me say that there, there are certain things. Have you guys caught a trend in these lists? What seems to be prevalent in every list? Sexual sin. Um, he says, you know, fornication is almost the first one. Uncleanness is sexual uncleanness. Lewdness And so we live in a very sexually immoral culture. We should be aware that when the Bible tells us Satan doesn't have new tricks, that people are still falling for the old ones. And so as I live in a culture that's immersed with sexual morality, and this is the thing that many people are going to go to hell clinging to. Don't you be one of them as we move from the works of the flesh to the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, and I love that God does this. God says, I'm going to show you what's wrong, but I'm going to help you. I'm not just God doesn't do this. God doesn't just say that's wrong. You shouldn't do it. And, and you and your own strength stop it. What God calls you and me to do is to believe what he says. God, I believe that what I'm doing is wrong. God, I believe that what I've been doing my whole life is wrong because you said so. Would you help me? God will empower you by his spirit to no longer be bound. And so God is not calling you to do something that he won't also enable you to do. But it requires a yielding on your part. It requires on my part, and on your part, a a yielding to the Lord saying, God, I agree with you that this thing that I've been doing is wrong and that I need help from you. I need your strength and God will give you everything that you need. God will empower you to be victorious. And so if not, this would be very depressing. You know God, I can't stop it. I can't change. But God's like, no, all I need you to do is choose to come my way. I will meet you there. Yes, your decision. It'll be my power. I will empower your decision. And so in the same way you can choose to rebel against God and God's not going to stop you, you can choose to submit to God and he will empower you to do so. Amen. Amen. I had one more, but I, you can just write down Matthew 7, 21 to 23. That was, you know, all the rest were Paul. That, this one is from Jesus, where Jesus tells a group of people that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God because they practice lawlessness or sinful behavior. But we're not going to go to that one. Now look at verse 22 in Galatians. After we got done with the works of the flesh, he says, but. And we switch gears here. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love. And he's going to go down through a list of the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to note that the works of the flesh were plural, weren't they? It was these are the works of the flesh. You know, this thing, that thing, you know, all these different uh, things. Each one was a particular work of the flesh. He says, but the fruit singular of the Holy Spirit is and he lists all these various things. One thing we take from this is this. The fruit of the Spirit, we're going to learn as we look at this, all these things are Christ's character that he wants to form in us. And some people read this, they say the fruit of the Spirit is love, and they're looking at the rest of these fruits as as further outworkings of love, but the primary one being love. I don't disagree with that, but I do think that each fruit, as we look at the, the, the various ones, they speak to different aspects of our character and nature. And so As we read this list, I am positive that you're going to hear things in this list that you'll say, well, I'm not that way. I don't have gentleness, self-control, peacefulness, joy or whatever. If you're born again, this is what you need to know. You can. Right. This is the fruit of abiding in God. This is the fruit of the spirit. And so if you're a person born again of the spirit, you've been made alive by the spirit. God says, this is what you can be. This is what I desire for you. And so if you're writing notes uh, in John chapter 15 And I love this verse in John 15, 16. Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give you. I I chose you for this cause, that your your life would be fruitful. And some people, what are the fruit that God wants to see out of my life? And so as we look at this, God says, I want this. I want my character formed in you. And. I'm pretty sure that there's no one here that's going to look at this list of fruits and say, oh, man, I, that, I'd rather have the works of the flesh than this fruit in my life. You know, I'd rather have that other list than this list. Nobody wants that other list compared to this one. And you don't want the results of the other list, but you do want the results of living like this. And so first one, the fruit of the spirit is love. The word for love here is agape love. It's the love that God is over in, in 1 first John 4 16, where it says about God. It says, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. But the Bible says God is love. It's this love. It's agape love. It's different than the love that we think of. Some people think of love as an emotional thing. You know, like, I love somebody, and then you stop loving them. That's not agape love. Agape love is that kind of love that, that there's nothing someone can do to mess it up. It's more of a choice. To love and a commitment to love than it is an emotion or a feeling. That's why God tells husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. He didn't say, you know, love her when she's, you know, doing you right. You know, when she's loving you the way you want to be loved. He said, love her. I'm commanding you. God can only command you to do something that you're capable of doing no matter what. And so God says the fruit of the spirit, the first one is love. It's agape love. The same love that God loves you and I with It's produced in the heart of the believer and it's it's brought forth by the work of the Holy Spirit. God wants us to to be those that are walking in love. So one thing I would challenge you is, can you see in your life? Do you see that fruit of God's spirit at work in your life? Are you a loving person? Is that a characteristic that others would look and say, he or she is a very loving person, right? In particular, loving when people have done you wrong. It isn't the love that you, you know, everybody here loves those that love them. The Bible says even non-believers do that. That's no big deal. But how do you do with the unlovely in your life? How do you do with the difficult people? How do you do with the unlovely people? How do you do with those family members, those special family members? How do you do with them? Uh, How do you do with loving those individuals? How do you do with loving those that have offended you, those that have done you wrong, those that have mistreated you, people that talk bad about, how do you do then? And I I know for me personally, you know, over, over the years... Because of what I do, pastoring, people either love me or they hate me. It's one where I have people that are like, I love you. You're the greatest person in the world. They just love me. And I have other people that maybe they're offended at something I said or a counsel that I gave and they just hate me. And there's nothing I can do. And so I've had people attack me verbally and say things. And, you know, my natural inclination is the people that love me. I love you, too love you too, bro. You know what I'm saying? I love those who love me. Love, you know, my family, you know, easy to love you. But them other people, somebody's saying some stuff that's not true or saying some things about you. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm going yeah, I'm, to I'm step down from the pulpit for a minute. And, and a, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, that, those are the people that God will say, look, if, 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 if you're walking and abiding in me, I want you to, that's going to be the victory. Can you love them? Can you love them genuinely? Not that fake Christian love like God bless you. but I still love you in the Lord. You know, not that stuff. But in reality, where it's like, you know what, God, give me a heart that loves them. Give me your heart for them. And here goes the cool thing with love. Right. When you struggle with loving somebody, this is something I learned a long time ago. And it's just it's never failed me. It's never not been true. Right. Whoever it is that you're struggling to love. Do you believe that God loves them? Right. He does. You know, he does because he's got his love. So if you would get out of God's way, he'll love them through you. You're blocking God. If you can't love them actively until you're blocking God. You're in his way. But if you'll die to yourself and get out of God's way, God will love them through you. And so um, challenge. But God said, that's the fruit of the spirit. That's a fruit. If you want evidence that the spirit of God is abiding in power in your life, love the unlovely. It'll be an evidence to you. You can walk away from loving on some some unlovely people and say, I know God is alive and at work in my life because nothing in me feels this way. But God is bringing it about in my life in a genuine way. And again, I'm not asking people to be fake. You know, you can't fake fruit for long. Uh, me and Dre were talking about that. We were going to make a T-shirt. You can't fake the fruit. You know, you know, you can fake some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. fake faking tongues and fake prophecies and everything else. But you cannot fake this this, when we look at this whole list of fruits, love, and joy, and peace, and gentleness, and self-control, and patience, you can't fake that for very long. It either is a fruit of who you are in reality or not. Um, but God would have it to be. And I, I'm, we, we looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and you might have one gift, you might have one. We may each have different ones. But God says, what if this church, what if every believer in this church was exemplifying all the fruit that we're going to look at right now? What, what kind of church would we be? How dynamic of a church would we be that, that Christ's character was just flowing through all of us? And so while we've already dealt with the list of what shouldn't be, God said, now I want to show you what should be. And so it starts off with love, probably the most important thing. Everything else kind of flows from there. So moving on, the next one on the list is joy. Most people look at joy as, as a the way it's used in Scripture. The word is chara, and it's it's used in the New Testament Usually of a joy that is born out of us, it's got a spiritual basis. And so we see it in First Thessalonians 1, 6, where they have the joy of the Holy Ghost, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy that's, that's connected to a work of God in and through a person's life. Um, you probably have all heard it said before that joy differs from happiness in this way. Happiness depends on what's happening. Anybody can be happy when things are happening well. If you walk out of church and get to your car and there's an envelope with a $1,000 and said somebody said, I wrote you a love note, God bless you, I mean, you'd be happy. Most of us would be like, yes, Woo-hoo! you know, you'd be happy. Now, when you took that $1,000 of ten $1, dollars bills and you went to go spend them and you found out that they were, you know, counterfeit, um, your happiness would be gone. Happiness goes like this, you know, it's just totally dependent upon what's happening. But joy is different. Joy is It's a consistent thing that you can have no matter what's happening to you. That's why when Paul and Silas were in the prison, what was happening was bad, but they were in there worshiping. They they still had there was a joy that they had. Here's the strength of joy. Joy is connected to your relationship with Jesus that nobody can mess with. Right. If joy is connected to it, it's something that's just flowing from the Lord in and through your heart. It's the joy of, of the Lord. It's the joy of the Holy Spirit, It's supernatural joy that God gives. And things could be going bad and you can still have joy. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's one of this. It's a the, it's the fruit of God's spirit of a person that's abiding in God. How come you're OK? Someone you love passed away. You, you lost a job. Some difficult thing happened. Your car got crashed. How come you're okay? I got joy. I'm, it's evidence that God's spirit reigns here, right? If, if you remove God's spirit and bad things happen, I'm going to be I'm gonna ebb and flow with the things that are happening. I'm bummed. I'm great. I'm awful. I'm wonderful. <laughs> but God's the joy of the Holy Spirit. The joy that I give, the joy that's a fruit of the spirit of God, you know, abiding in a person's life is consistent and it's, it doesn't matter what's going on. It uh, doesn't matter what's happening around you. You can have joy. I'm not saying that, you know, it's not this, again, it's not this fake thing where I've seen people take verses wrong and, you know, crash. Car. Praise the Lord, I crashed my car. I, we're not saying that. You know, if you crash your car, you're going to look at some kind of way. You know, you're going to walk around and look at how bad damage is and hope they got insurance. That's that's human being. I'm not calling for people to be what we're not. But I'm saying this, it shouldn't affect your joy. That, that There's a joy that comes from, I'm going to heaven. Right. No matter what happens down here, I belong to God. I'm going to heaven. I don't love this stuff so much. I love the Lord more and I can have joy no matter what happens to me on earth. I can have joy in the worst circumstance. Even when terrible things happen, I can have joy because the Bible says that all things are working together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So it's bad, but it'll be good. Eventually I got joy. I'm settled. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And So do you have love? Do you have Joy. Do these things flow forth from your life? The next thing on the list is peace. Peace here is is not the peace that people have with God um, through forgiveness and justification of faith. But this is the peace of God that is bestowed upon believers. And so something else that God gives is a fruit of his spirit in the life of the believer is the peace of God. And I I know I've experienced I've met people that just had just it's a supernatural, just a peace. About them. They're not all frazzled about everything. They're not, you know, they're not ah! they're not all flustered. They're just man, they just have peace. How do you get that? It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That person's abiding in Christ. That person is trusting in the Lord. That person is letting God's Spirit rule and reign in their heart and their life. And so, yeah, while life can be chaotic, they're at total peace. And um interesting thing, if you go back and look through the gospels, as you look at each characteristic of the each one of the fruits of the spirit, you see these things in the life of Christ. You know, when they're on a boat and there's a storm and everybody else is freaking out. Jesus, where's he at? He took him a nap. He was like, what's wrong with y'all tripping, man? Peace be still. Stop. I ain't going to bed. I cut that out. You know, like he just, he didn't get frazzled with him. He didn't, oh, The was a storm? Oh, are you serious? Like, you know, he didn't get all like that. You know, he just walked out there. You guys, you guys have a little faith, man. Jeez, wait, peace be still. And it just stopped. And, you know, some people read that. And they, well, That's because he was Jesus. He knew what he was going to do. But. I think what, what God, when He tells His disciples, you a little faith, it's like you guys, you guys know, you know, you by this time you should be knowing, you should know who I am. I, you should have peace because of who I am. You know, I'm you know it's gonna be okay. You know I'm gonna take care of you. And so again, it's, it's the peace of God. We also believers have peace with God, but this the the the, the fruit of the spirit, this peace is the peace of God that, that should rule and reign in the heart and the life of the believer. Next on the list is long suffering. These are dual words. So we just say it plainly, it'd be some suffering for a long time. And so some people can put up with something for a little while. You know, long suffering is kind of like what the Bible says that God is long suffering towards us. And that means that for those of us that, have, you know, maybe God's been patiently waiting on you to get it for you to come along. How long does God suffer with you? For many of us, we could look and say God suffered a long time. It's, it's taken me quite some time to get where things needed to be. He's
0: long suffering towards us. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. These words are so familiar now that one can breeze right past them without a thought. We can even sing the words out loudly and never think about what it means. But take a moment and put yourself in the Galatians' shoes. They've seen crucifixion before. They've probably hurried past, trying not to look at the unfortunate people sentenced to die such a gruesome death. When people told them Christ was crucified, they knew exactly what that meant, what that looked like and sounded like. So when Paul wrote, I have been crucified with Christ, those words would have been shocking. It paints a picture. The old me has been so violently eradicated that I cannot even think of going back. All I have now is Christ and he lives in me. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, where we meet every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also here on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We'd be delighted to have you join us in person, but if you can't, we continue to stream on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook Live. You can find all the information you need at CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org while you're there you can find and download our mobile app we're out of time for today but we'll see you right here next time for a transforming word